We shall fight with growing confidence and growing strength in the air. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall never surrender until in God's good time, the new world with all its power and might steps forth to the rescue and the liberation of people. In times of universal deceit, truth is the only rebellion left. On today's show, the topic is last night's primary elections here in the state of Oklahoma. I'm going to share with you a little bit about my view of the governor's race, the secretary of public instruction race, uh, the local House of Representatives race, and then I'm going to talk about my own race for county commissioner here in Osage County, Oklahoma, District 1. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and... Good morning and welcome to The Rebellion. Thanks for listening into the show. Today's topic is politics. I want to talk about the primary election that just took place last night here in Oklahoma. June 28th is the primary for Oklahoma, and we had a number of races that were very interesting. The governor was in play. The secretary of public instruction position was in play. Both of our senatorial seats were in play. We have a number of congressional seats that were on the ballot yesterday, and a lot of local races, statewide races too. For example, state Senate races, state House of Representative races. And then you know that I'm running for county commissioner. I've mentioned that before on the show, and I want to talk about that a little bit and go back and answer the question as to, quote-unquote, why does Everett Piper want to be a county commissioner? My land, my land, Piper's been a college president. If he was as successful as everybody says he was, why in the world would he now want the job of being a county commissioner? Well, I'm going to answer that question. I've tried to address it before on this show, but I've tried to spare all of you who listen to The Rebellion ongoing commentary as to my own political race. I don't think that's why you tune in, but I do think today you'll find my response to this question as to why do you want to be county commissioner? I think you'll find my response to be interesting. So let's take a break, and when I get back, I'll talk about a couple of these races, the governor's race, the secretary of education race, And I would also like to talk about a local race for House of Representatives, State House of Representatives here in Oklahoma. And priorities, first things when it comes to how you vote for a person or how you endorse somebody. But I'm going to spend the majority of my time answering this question that I get over and over again from some people that are supporting me as well as many who are against me, who in a pejorative way will say, there's got to be something wrong here. Why in the world does Piper want to be a county commissioner. Well, I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion, and I'll be right back in a couple minutes. Okay, welcome back to The Rebellion. So let's touch on a couple of the bigger races first before I get into this county commissioner discussion. Governor Stitt won last night in the primary handily, and that's no surprise. Governor Stitt polls very well here in Oklahoma. Now, he did have some challengers. Why? Is it because Governor Stitt is not a conservative? No, not at all. Governor Stitt has been a reliable conservative. He's been very much pro-First and Second Amendment. He's been very pro-life. He has kept his word on those issues. Now, there are some people who felt he needed to be challenged because his response to COVID was, in their view, lacking. 
He didn't take a stand against corporate oligarchs telling their employees that they had to get vaccinated, that they had to allow an experimental drug to be injected into their veins in order to keep their job. I was critical of Governor Stitt for that. I don't think it was the right position. I think he should have leaned more toward uh, Governor DeSantis's posture down in Florida. And I think if he would have done that, he would have um, avoided some of the challenges that he faced in this last election. But by, by and large, I think D Governor Stitt has done a good job, and I fully support him in the general election. I'm thankful for his conservative values. I'm thankful that he has stood up for the dignity of women and that he believes in the state of Oklahoma that girls, biological females, should have their own sports, their own showers, their own bathrooms, their own scholarships, and that any time a male presumes to intrude into those female spaces or female rights and activities, that they should be told, no, you can't do that. We believe women are real, and we believe in the dignity of the female. We're not going to allow anybody to, in a misogynistic way, degrade what it means to be a woman here in Oklahoma. I applaud Governor Stitt. Thank you for doing that. I also applaud his pro-life stance. Thank you. We now have the most conservative policy and position in the state of Oklahoma as any state in the entire United States when it comes to defining what life is. Life starts at conception, and in Oklahoma, it is protected there, thereafter. You can't execute a human being, period. It doesn't matter how young they are or where they live, where they are located, per se, and it doesn't matter uh, whether they have a certain set of capacities. In other words, is one human being of lesser value because it doesn't have full capacity uh, yet? It hasn't grown up yet. It doesn't function as well as a 5-year-old, a 10-year-old, or a 20-year-old. Does a human being have rights regardless of its functional capacity? And the answer has to be yes. Otherwise, we're getting into a very dangerous, very dangerous territory of dumbing down the definition of the human being to something that we think it is rather than what it is as defined by God and science, I might add. So thank you, Governor Stitt. This is, uh, for those of you who felt that he needed to be challenged on the conservative side, fine, fine. I think he respects that. And we need to now come together and make sure he defeats Joy Hoffmeister because she would be absolutely awful, which is a good segue to the Secretary of Public Instruction job. Uh, Ryan Walters, the man that I have supported on this show, has prevailed. Uh, he came in first, but he did not get the 50 plus 1% necessary to win in the primary. So there's going to be a runoff. He will he will face off against April Grace. There is no question who you should vote for here. Ryan Walters is the man you need to vote for. Now, if you voted for John Cox, fine. There may have been good reasons for you to have done that. He did not make it to the primary. And I know you've heard me respond to this issue of whether or not John Cox should have been endorsed rather than Ryan Walters. I disagree with some of my conservative counterparts. I've told you why. John Cox was a Democrat up until the last three and a half years. He switched parties so that he could run for this particular election, for this particular position. I, I just don't think there was enough time for us to know whether or not that switch of parties was legitimate and principles 
or whether or not it was a political maneuver. I don't know. I'm not trying to disparage John Cox. I just think it's a logical question for us to ask. Why did you switch? And why were you part of a party that's big government, top-down, hierarchical, a party that is championing the the rainbow alphabet uh, soup of subjective identity stuff all over the place? BLM, SJW, CRT, SLE, LGBTQIA, all of this subjective identity stuff that is wreaking havoc on our culture. Um, why were you aligned with a party that was doing that? And by the way, that party also has stood for the butchering of 63 million children over the course of the last 50 years by essentially saying abortion should be unregulated and that everybody has the right to abort their child, to execute their child up to the point of birth. Why were you aligned with that party? That party that has elected Joe Biden to be the president of the United States, that party that has Nancy Pelosi as its titular head. Why in the world would you be aligning with Chuck Schumer and AOC? Why? I have to ask you, why were you part of that party? And why did it take you up until the last three years to make up your mind to switch over? Again, that's why I support Ryan Walters, not to mention the fact that I have met with him personally and he's given me his assurances that he's going to tackle CRT, SLE. He's going to tackle the indoctrination of our kids, this propagation of ideas that are actually poison to a constitutional republic rather than ideas that will short up and make us stronger as an American people. All right, so I could go on and on about that. But let's get into my race. Okay, I'm running for county commissioner. Now, those of you listening may be asking the question, why? <laughs> why are you running for county commissioner? Now, I've worked very hard for this. I've worked my tail off. I've gone door to door to hundreds and hundreds of doors, small communities here in Osage County that some of you know, if you live here, many of you that listen from outside this area won't recognize these, these towns that I'm going to rattle off right now. But you need to recognize they're good people that live in these towns. Towns such as Barnstall, Oklahoma, Avant, Oklahoma, Bowring, Whippoorwill, uh, Burbank, Webb City, McCord, Pahuska. Uh, the, there, there are tons of good people that live in these small communities. And they need to be heard. They need to be respected. They need to be listened to. They need to be told the truth. They should know what's going on in local government with their money that funds their roads, their bridges, their fairgrounds, etc. I, I really feel passionate about listening to these people, and I've worked my tail off doing so. So, in fact, I've jokingly said to my wife many times when I've come home after going door to door throughout the course of a day in the heat of Oklahoma, I've said to her, I've never worked so hard for a job I do not want in my life. Now, did you hear what I just said? For a job I do not want. Now, some of you, in fact, if you're an adversary, you may say, oh, there it is. He doesn't even want the job. Well, let's turn it around and use that as segue to answer the question. Why are you running for county commissioner? I've been told that I'm overqualified, that uh, you should be running for higher office. At my land, you were a university president. Why do you want this job? Well, um, <laughs> I understand the question. I do. I understand why people are asking it. If you're supporting me and you voted for me and you're saying, why does he want the job? 
Or even if you didn't vote for me yesterday, uh, you're upset. You, For whatever reason, you've imbibed the Kool-Aid, you've believed the gossip, believed the lies, whatever it is. Um, you voted negatively rather than positively. Sidebar here, I'm, I'm campaigning on a positive platform. I'm giving people a positive reason to vote for principles and for a person that represents positive solutions, a positive discussion, um, positive engagement with community, and the positive respect of what we stand for as a constitutional republic and what we stand for in terms of culture. I, I'm giving people a positive reason to vote. I'm not being negative. I'm not talking about the negatives. I'm not talking about other people. I just don't do that. Uh, you've never heard me criticize anybody that's running against me by name or anything like that. I don't out people. I haven't talked negatively about a given individual. Oh, I may have brought up ideas that I disagree with, and um, and that that's, that's fine. You should always uh, surround yourself with people who talk about vision and talk about ideas and don't talk about other people. Now, when you talk about vision and you talk about ideas, your ideas and your vision may be different than those of others, but you talk about those things. You extol those things or you attack those ideas that are different, antithetical to, opposite to the ideas and the vision that you hold dear. But you don't attack people, and I don't do that. So I'm trying to give the voters a positive reason to go to the poll and to vote. I'm not going to give them negative reasons to not vote or to vote against somebody else. I'm just not going to do that. So, and I think, uh, I, I think it'd be very difficult for even my adversaries to find any evidence that would contradict what I just said. So this has been a positive campaign, positive reasons to vote for principles. I am not talking about negatives, not gossiping, and not talking about other individuals by name and um, engaging in ad hominem attacks, tearing other people down. Okay, so back to the question, why do you want this job? Well, the bottom line is, now hear me on this, hear me on this. Listen to everything I'm going to say right now. Don't just hear the first sentence and draw a conclusion. So the answer to the question, why do you want this job, is I don't. I don't want this job. You hear me? I don't want this job. I've said it a thousand times on this show that definitions matter. We have to define our words. The first thing we need to do before we can attempt to communicate with each other is to define our terms. Words matter. Words have to be defined. Meaning matters. We can't debate. We can't try to convince or explain anything or anyone. We can't engage in conversation if words don't mean something. Definition matters. Okay? We've got to have a shared common language to understand what we're trying to say to one another. This is common sense. You know what I'm saying is true. You couldn't listen to the show if you didn't understand the definitions of the words that I'm using to communicate with you right now. And if you try to agree or disagree with what I'm saying, we obviously have to understand the definitions of the words we're using. Green isn't a number, and two plus two isn't blue. Okay, <laughs> what I just said sounds like nonsense, but I hope you get my point. Two plus two is a mathematic formula, and it isn't a color. 
And green is a color. It's not a number. Um, a cow isn't a dog, and a dog isn't a pig. And a human being is a human being. It's not an animal. So all of these things assume definition, and that definition matters. So what's my point in getting into that again? Well, what does the word want mean? You're saying, why do you want this job? And I say, well, I don't want this job. I think we have to go back to the definition of the word want. What does it mean? Well, look it up. Just go to Webster's Dictionary or the Oxford Dictionary, whatever you want to use. Look it up. The word want means this, to be needy or destitute, to have or to feel a need, uh, to, to be necessary, uh, to desire, uh, to fail to possess, to have a strong desire or an inclination, to require, to suffer from lack of. That's what want means. And I'm going to say it to you again. I know I want you to hear the definition of the word want, to be needy or destitute, to think that it's necessary to desire something, to fail to possess something, to have an inclination to require to suffer from the lack of something. Now, synonyms for the word want would be wish or appetite, craving, demand, or a hunger. So as I define this word want for you, and you've listened to me right now, I want you to be thinking of the synonyms, wish, appetite, craving, demand, hunger. And when people ask me, why do you want this job? And I say, I don't want this job. What am I saying here? Okay, I don't have any personal ambition or wish or appetite or craving or demand or hunger to be a county commissioner. I don't need it. I'm not destitute because I don't have it. I don't want to possess it. I don't have a strong desire or inclination. I'm not going to suffer from the lack of being a county commissioner. So when I say I don't want it, I want you to understand what I'm saying. Okay? Uh, I, this is the same attitude I brought to the table in every leadership position I've ever had. And I think this is really critical. This is incredibly critical because we don't get this definition of want and leadership. We don't get it and we don't uh, understand it as we select leaders. We often get people that we shouldn't want to have in that job. We shouldn't want them because their want, their desire, their passion, their hunger, their demand, their craving, their appetite, their strong desire for, their suffering from the lack of having that job is the exact reason we should never put them in the position in the first place. Now, what do I mean by that? Like I said, the, the attitude I'm describing to you is the same that I've had in almost every leadership position I've ever held, okay? I didn't need a job. I didn't suffer any lack for not being in a given job. I didn't crave a position. I had no hunger or need for it, whether it was vice president for student development at a couple different universities or vice president for enrollment or vice president for development and fundraising, all positions that I've held, or dean of students, I've held that position. I've held, held various different positions at various different times in my career, and all of them would be defined as leadership positions. But I never really wanted them. I didn't crave them. I didn't need them. 
I didn't have a, a, uh, an appetite. Uh, and I didn't suffer from the lack of having those jobs. Now, I think this is critical. Um, like I said, I didn't want to be a dean. I didn't want to be a VP. I didn't want to be a president of Oklahoma Wesleyan University. Here's what I want to point out to you. And we might need to talk about this in a subsequent show if I can't explain it uh, in the time we have left here. But your wants are often driven by your emotions and your feelings. In fact, not only often, almost always, your wants are emotional. They're driven by feelings. Wants are usually, if not always, focused on yourself. Okay, when you want something, you want it for yourself. But I would argue that your will is a higher good than your wants. When you will something, you're paying attention to principles rather than your personal desires. When you will for something, you're turning from looking in the mirror to looking out the window. In other words, rather than looking at yourself and fixating narcissistically on who you are and what you want, you stop doing that and you look out the window and you see other people who who need something. When you will something, your focus is not on yourself but on service to others. When you will something, your focus is on doing rather than desiring. Do you get the distinctions I'm making here? If your will trumps your wants, you're functioning like an adult. You're governing yourself, you're governing your wants, and you're putting principles above your appetites. Now, when you start evaluating culture and where we are as a people right now, you can see that our wants have been put up and above our wills, and that if you want something, well, that's who you are. If you desire something, that's who you are. If your inclination is this or that, then that's your identity. This is all grounded in your wants rather than your personal and human will. Okay? So here's my point. Frankly, I found it over and over again to be true that the best leaders are almost never those who want the job. Do you hear me? The best leaders are almost never those who say they want the job. But often, the best leader, the only leader that you want, leading you, leading your church, leading your culture, leading your country, leading your county, the best leader is the one who doesn't want the job. In other words, the reluctant leader is the best leader. Reluctant leaders are motivated by what they can do for others rather than what they want for themselves. Reluctant leaders accept the call rather than push for a title. Let me share a story with you here. Back when I was a vice president of my alma mater in Michigan, uh, this, uh, I got a call one day, and it was from Oklahoma Wesleyan University. Would you like to candidate for a presidency down here? Um, long story short, we flew down, we candidated, we interviewed, we went through the dog and pony show, show, my wife and I. They offered us the job. Now, I didn't want the job. Hear me out on this. Oklahoma Wesleyan was in a mess. It was in financial crisis. 
It was in financial exigency. As I've told you before on this show, it was 12 months away from shutting down, declaring bankruptcy. Debt was huge. Revenue was down. Net assets were plummeting. The institution did not have any financial viability. All right. Long story short, even though I didn't want the job, my well, my wife, excuse me, my wife felt differently. She had prayed about it, and she felt that we were called to do this, regardless of whether or not we wanted to. Yeah, it was a mess. It's not a, it's not a job anybody should desire. Um, I had no appetite for it. I didn't hunger to take on a failing institution. I didn't want it. All right, my wife felt differently. She shook her finger in my face one day and she said, it's about time you started doing something on the basis of faith rather than logic. I felt convicted. I called up the search committee and told them we'd take the job. A few days later, after the announcement was put out by Oklahoma Wesleyan University that they had secured a new president and that he would be starting his new job in early August of 2002 and that his name was Everett Piper, some young 42-year-old kid from Michigan coming down to Oklahoma to try to make sense out of this mess, I received a phone call. It was a phone call from another college president. His name was David Spittle. He was the president of Southern Wesleyan University in South Carolina. Now, David Spittle had taken over that institution some, uh, if I remember correctly, some 15 years earlier when it was in a similar financial crisis as to what Oklahoma Wesleyan was experiencing at the same time. David Spittle called me up out of the blue. I didn't know who he was. I hadn't moved to Oklahoma yet. I was in the process of emptying my office up in Michigan and getting ready for relocating from my alma mater to this institution that was in trouble down in Bartlesville, Oklahoma. David Spittle introduced himself over the phone to me, and he said this, and I want you to hear me in the last minute and a half of this show. He said, Dr. Piper, do not go down to Oklahoma to build your resume. Do not go down there for that. If that's why you're taking this job, then withdraw. The only reason you should take this job is that if you believe you've been called to stop Satan from wiping one more Christian college off of the face of the earth, period. Now, what's my point in that story? He was saying, it's okay that you don't want the job. In fact, if you do want it, don't go. Don't go down there because you want to build your resume, that you hunger for a presidency, that you have an appetite to be this or that. Don't go down there for this. Only take this job if you feel called to serve. Don't take this job because you have selfish ambitions and desires. So when you hear somebody say they don't want a job, that's the person that you should be really attending to and thinking about in terms of leadership. The best leaders are reluctant leaders. The best leaders are those that don't want to lead. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion.